You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Pride podcast we call From the Podium, where you get to hear directly from your Kansas City Chiefs. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney. It's a Saturday edition of From the Podium, meaning we do the best of Thursday and Friday. This time around, that is Chiefs coordinators Eric Bieniemy and Steve Spagnolo, followed by Andy Reid, Juan Thornhill, and Frank Clark. We'll do the coordinators first because they spoke on Thursday. We'll take a quick break and we'll switch gears to Reid, Thornhill, and Clark. But right now, here is Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Good afternoon. Hope all is well. Hopefully, everyone is, is staying safe and remaining safe. Uh, it feels good to be back in the building. You guys obviously know we were out Monday and Tuesday, so it was good being back, seeing the guys and getting back on the field and doing what we do collectively as a group. Uh, with that said, I'm all ears and, and ready to go. Let's go first to Herbie Teope. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Coach. Uh, just want to take it over to the offensive line. You've had Wisniewski back for practice. I know he's still on the practice squad over the past week, but how's he looking? Was it just like – because he was here last year, he was able to pick things up and hit the ground running. Oh, yeah, he looks just like Wiz. Wiz is going to do anything and everything to make sure he's getting himself back ready to play and getting himself right you know, where he needs to be in case we need him to, to plug in right away. But uh, he's a sharp kid. He understands the system. Coach Heck does a great job with those guys. On top of that, that O-line group is a tight-knit group, so I'm sure those guys with the chemistry have just fell right back in place. Go next to Seren Petro. Go ahead, Seren. Uh, Coach, I'm going to ask you this because I know we're going to get to the end of the year where in all likelihood you're going to be interviewed and I know how you don't want to talk about it and there's a job to do. So I want to talk hypothetically, right, theoretically before these things come down. The interview process, right, is that in your mind, I know you've been through it a number of times, right, is that a stressful process? Is that something that you relish? Uh, Is it something you have to put a lot of time in preparing for when you you go do it? Well, I'll say this – Hypothetically speaking, um, Seren, I'm not even worried about that at this particular time. Is it a stressful time? Yes, it is. You know what? Because first of all, we're trying to make sure these guys are focused on the Denver Broncos. At the end of the day, that's going to take care of itself, Seren. And I appreciate you asking. You know I'm not going to answer it. But uh, I appreciate you asking the question. But my focus and energy is on the Denver Broncos. There's still a lot of football left to play. Uh, I thought our guys did a hell of a job against Tampa uh, last week. There's some things that we need to clean up and address and finish. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're focused and we hit the ground running, hitting on all cylinders come this weekend. Thank next. You. Harold Coots. <laughs> hey, go ahead, Harold. Well, EB, I'm sure you're very honored and privileged to have all that attention, I'm sure. That's, that's happy to know. Um, my question to you, when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, you come off a 460-yard day, 60-yard-plus day, three touchdowns, gets off to a perfect start. How do you continually, as you would say, strain to try to get him, you know, 
how does he even get better? Like, what do you do? What, what's your coaching style as somebody who's just like ceiling is so high? It's like, what do you do? Go, go for 500? Go for – how do you do that? Well, the thing is, is that you show up and come to work every single day. With competitors, you don't have to really ask them to do anything. It's that desire to be the very best at what they do. You know, as, as much as, as a great game uh, Pat had last week, there's some things that he could have did better. And there's some things that he wants to clean up to help himself to improve, but overall to help us to be better moving forward. So there's that, that, that self-motivating pride and ego that's within him, and that's the thing that gets him going. But on top of that, collectively, he understands the importance of all of us doing something and improving together. Because when it's all said and done, we all have to be on the same page. We all have to be in sync and in chemistry and sinking in, in rhythm with one another to make sure that when it's time to go, we can go. And I'll say this, our guys, like I said, I'm going to keep going back to this. I thought our guys did a hell of a job, but there was a point in time when we got out of sinking and in rhythm in that game and we got to eliminate the self-inflicted wounds. Those are the little things that we are striving for to improve and, and to get better. Those are some of the things that Pat wants to work on as well. Let's go next to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Coach. I just want to zone in on the final two or three minutes against the Bucks, where Pat kind of just took control of the game. How, how much in rarefied air are we getting when it comes to just his instincts and, and almost muscle memory of, of the fundamentals of what to do in particular situations? You know what? I, I think Coach Caffer does a heck of a job with him, you know, every single day, whether it's in the meeting or on the field in individual periods. I thought he did a great job. I mean, he made some great throws down the field. But you know what? He made key plays with his feet at, at the right particular time. And that was huge. Those were things that are defining moments. And those were things that help us to get through a few humps. And it helped define that game as we went along. But one thing about Pat, he's always going to strive for perfection, okay? Because he wants to be the very best that he can. So he's going to continue to work and continue to strive for that. Let's go next to Matt Derrick. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Coach. A lot of guys work with their own individual coaches and trainers in the offseason. Um, but I'm particularly interested in Tyreek and what you've seen from the work that you know, translating from the end of the season to the beginning of the next year, each year with the work that he's put in trying to develop his game? You know, every year, Tyreek takes his game to another level. He, he spends a lot of time during the offseason working with a particular coach who I've known for a, no, a number of years. He does a great job. The thing that Tyreek is, Tyreek, and, and I'll say this, and not just because we're talking about Tyreek and Pat at this particular moment, but all our guys are, are very, very competitive. And I'll say this, that our GM and, and, and owners, they've allowed us to bring the right people in the building. So Tyreek has that attitude and that mindset, and he wants to improve on the little things every single day. So every year that he's going in from, you know, from one season to another, there's a lot of things that he's, he's stressing to improve upon, whether it's dropping his hips at the top of the route, whether it's creating separation at the line of scrimmage. All those little things matter. And then on top of that, just making sure that he can become the best short to intermediate route runner as well. So I've seen him take tremendous steps in between that time, but also, too, watching him take the necessary steps that he does throughout the course of each week. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Eric. Um, Pat is Pat, as we know, but um, still he's a relatively young guy. 
So I wanted to ask you about that last third down of the game in Tampa um, when you guys was third and whatever and you threw the ball there and kept it and ran the clock out. Um, was that a difficult decision to, to, to do that? Because if you guys throw an incomplete pass, you're putting the ball back to Brady, giving him an extra 40 seconds. T- take me through that decision, what you guys were thinking in there, and was it a difficult choice about what to do on that particular play call? There's always discussion, and I'll say this, Adam, that's a great question. We always go into each and every game having an idea on exactly what we want to do. We didn't feel that we were running the ball as well, so we wanted to make sure that, hey, Regardless of what we call, we're going to move the chains. And one thing that we input, not just in Pat, but all 11 of, of our players, when, that, when they are out on that field, hey, we have confidence in you. Go get the job done. You know what to do. You know how to do it. Now go out and execute. So we want our guys to feel confident regardless of what play we call. Because in our mind, we, we believe every play is designed to score a touchdown. So we want our guys to have that mentality knowing that they're going to get the job done. Got time for a couple more. We'll go Darren and then Steve. Go ahead, Darren. Uh, Coach, uh, Coach AB, first of all, uh, glad to see you. Hope, hope all is well with you and the family. My, my, my question, a couple questions. One, what is the scenario that you will see Le'Veon Bell in on a, on a second and one, a third and one? I, I know, you know, when you look at from the television, Clyde is so, is so small trying to get through those big linemen. It, you know, he generally gets stopped, uh, doesn't get the first down. When, when can we see someone like Le'Veon Bell, who's been that type of running back, to get those first downs in, uh, in on the action? And then second of all, does, is it frustrating knowing that, how high powered the offense is and should be uh, the players when they expect to score all the time that they don't or that you all don't where the game should have been maybe 28-0 first quarter where it turned out to be a 27-24 game is there any frustration in the play calling or, or lack thereof scoring throughout the game that you all can't punch the ball in to score when you feel like you should well first of all in our short yardage situations uh, one thing that as a group we have to be better Okay, regardless of what back is in the game, I don't care. At the end of the day, our job is to move the chain. It's about an attitude and a determined mindset. And that's our focus. And we talk about that each and every week. And as a former running back coach, regardless of what runners in the game, I don't care. Long as you find a way to move the chains, I don't care if anybody is blocked or nobody's blocked. Okay, your job is to find a way. So at the end of the day, there's just some things that we make sure that we're getting done. Yes. Can we be better up front? Yes, we can. But also, too, there's some some uh, uh, things that the runners need to do, and we got to make sure that we get it done. And I don't care who gets it. It could be Sherm. It could be Tyreek. It could be McCole. It can be Le'Veon. It can be Clyde. It can be Darwin. It can be – I don't care. At the end of the day, the end result speaks for itself. Now, when talking about the points uh, being scored – Yes, we would like to play better. I'm still looking for that, 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 that perfect game. Um, we came out on fire. We did some things that, that I thought were very, very good. And I thought at times we found a way to pull ourselves out of a rut. But one thing that we've talked about each and every week is the self-inflicted wounds. We got to eliminate the penalties and we got to eliminate the mental errors at those particular times. And when we're doing that and not to sound arrogant and being very, you know, uh, just professional about this. When we when we're doing our job and playing against the opponent rather than playing against ourselves, we're giving ourselves a good chance to be successful. But once we start killing ourselves with those um, self-inflicted wounds, those things become devastating, and they have an impact on the game, which we saw this past weekend. We'll go last to Steve Walls. Go ahead, Steve. Hey, what's happening, EB? 
I'm good. I, I like to get your philosophy on plays like Ferrari Wright and Black Pearl. I mean, it seems like when 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 they when they work, you and Andy are called offensive innovators. But when they don't work, it's been said that you guys are doing too much. But uh, just what are your thoughts on calling those types of curveball plays in various points of the game and, and not just being predictable, so to speak, allowing your guys to go out there and have fun? Uh, the beauty of it is, and 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 think about this: the year twenty twenty has been stressful in, in many different ways, and you never know what you know players may be having going on outside of what we do here. So at the end of the day, yes, we we are professionals, but also too, we want these guys to have fun and enjoy what they do. So it's okay. We feel that it's okay for our guys to get a little creative. Now, obviously, we would love for <laughs> those plays to be successful. And the thing is, is that these guys do a great job of working it out each and every week. And more than anything, they take personal ownership in it. So they're going to find a way to make it work. So when it's all said and done with, it's not that we're going out there trying to be predictable. No, we're keeping our guys in tune and involved. But on top of that, they understand the responsibility and the accountability that has to be held. And uh, also in making sure that they execute and getting it done. Hey, Coach, uh, what led to you guys shifting Legereus Sneed's role a little bit? How has he taken it? And what have you seen so far in the tape that you guys have? Yeah, I see a lot of good. I mean, uh, listen, he played really well when he was in there early in the year, trying to get the best players on the field as much as we can. And that's really, and we've asked him to learn a position that he really didn't do in training camp, and he's doing a great job. He's playing inside at nickel. Go next to Sam Mellinger. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Steve. Um, I wanted to ask you about Frank Clark. Uh, there's some numbers that kind of suggest he's being left alone, like one-on-one in a lot of situations. Like that happen a lot against Tampa. What's your diagnosis on and how he's doing in those situations and, and how can you get a little bit more out of it? Well, I mean, look, at we. Uh, I think we all feel like if, if we don't – I think on every play, every time they drop back and pass, we all feel like if we don't get to him, then we didn't get, get the job done. And I think Frank feels the same way. But I look, at he's out there battling just like the rest of them. You know, I could try to put him in better situations. But uh, I, I look at it as a unit thing. Um, more than anything, I thought we were really good on third down this past week, uh, so it got a little bit better. Um, and then, listen, every time they drop back to throw the football, we're trying to affect the quarterback. It doesn't have to be a sack. I say this all the time. Uh, everybody gets wrapped up in numbers, and those are the that's the big number, but it's more than that. Um, it's how we affect the quarterback. Go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Steve, I'll follow up on, on Sam's question about the pass rush. Um, how much are you seeing in terms of stunts that are still being effective if, if not getting to the quarterback? And how much of their production is sort of leading into the fact that you guys are one of the more blitzing teams in the league right now? Uh, whose production leading? Give me it again. I'm not sure what you're asking. Given the, the pass rush, like the defensive linemen. So, like, you guys have used stunts. How much man stunts talking about four guys coming and using stunts? Yeah, yeah. And then what? And then what leads to the decision as to does that have an impact on how how much or how aggressive you want to be with your blitzes? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, look at I'll call defenses that require four man rushes. I'll call defenses that require five. I'll call defenses that require six and all the way up to seven. You know that those are the pressures. When I call a defense that requires four, sometimes we straight pass rush and sometimes we give the guys liberty to put games on. That's based on certain things, which I'm not going to say here because we get, we get ready to play somebody. Uh, 
And then that's how the games work. And, and sometimes they're effective, sometimes they're not. But um, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how we function. Go next to Herbie T.O.V. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Coach. I, I wanted to follow up on Pete Sweeney's uh, first question to you on Legereus Sneed. Obviously, there's a difference when you play outside corner and then when you're asked to slide inside. What are some of the physical attributes and even mental capacity you're looking for in a cornerback to be able to make that switch? Yeah, I mean, the first one, or the one you mentioned about mental capacity is pretty important. The guy that goes inside and plays nickel has to be somewhat cerebral. We, we do a bunch of different things. He plays zone, he plays man, we bring him. He goes back and plays the half with the way we rotate people. And the one thing about LJ is he's got, he's got football, get it. I mean, he understands football. We knew that when we started working with him, however many months ago it was, and just were anxious to get him back after he performed pretty well at corner. What we didn't know is... Um, could he slide inside and get some of the things done? And right now, I think the it's been pretty good. In college, he played a lot of different places, so I think he was somewhat familiar with some of the things that he's doing now. Go next to Nick Jacobs. Go ahead, Nick. Brad, I'll have a follow-up for this. Uh, Steve, for you, what do you feel like the identity of this 2020 defense is? Uh, and I, I don't know what the identity is, but to, I, I can tell you what our goal is always is to keep the points allowed down. That's the number one goal. If we come out of the game and it's at 17 or less, we feel like we've done our job. Uh, so there's been a few games here where we feel like we need to do better. But I think we're trending in the right way. I thought we played better last week than we did the two prior games. Um, but look, at our guys like to play fast and physical and try to be aggressive. Uh, that's when we play fast and do a lot of things fast and we're not thinking. That's when we play well. And then for you, what characteristics do you want in your defensive leaders? Uh, unity, more than anything, bring people together. I mean, I think that's what any leader does. Um, you know, they, they lead with character. They lead by example. I've, I've, I've said this, and I don't know where I got it from, but it makes a lot of sense to me. You want your hardest workers. You want your best players to be your hardest workers at each position. You want one at D-line, one at uh, linebacker level, one at DB. And when you have that, everybody kind of follows suit. So, we, and we have those guys. We have character guys. Uh, we have guys that believe in uniting. Um, I think that's really an, an important aspect of leadership, especially in this profession. Go. We've got two more. Let's go Sam and Sarin. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Steve. Um, with Legarius, obviously you knew when he came back you were going to have an extra body that you didn't have when he was playing early in the season as far as with Breland. Um, did you tell him as he was hurt, to, to become more familiar with that inside cornerback and maybe therefore he had to do a little bit more mental reps than an average guy who was on IR might have to? Yeah, the good thing was when we had him on IR, he was with us and able to meet every day. So he was in every meeting. Um, and yeah, we, I anticipated it. So we'd gone to LJ and said, look, keep your eyeball on the nickel. And he ran with it. That showed me that he was a pro. And he stepped in there the first week. It's, I think it's two weeks now. Um, and really had a pretty good grasp of what that position did. Now, he did not have a foundation of reps. Like, we didn't play him in any nickel going all the way back to training camp. So I give him a lot of credit uh, for knowing what to do or knowing as much as he did in the, in the reps that he's had because there is a learning curve. You know, whether, you, whether you know it on the board or in the meeting room or not, there's a learning curve when you go out there and it's going really fast. But so far, so good, and we'll just keep working with it. We'll ask to Seren Petro. Go ahead, Seren. Uh, and Brad, I'll have a quick follow-up, uh, depending upon what Coach says here on this one. Uh, on, on pass rush, right, everyone gets better uh, when you practice something, right? So that's yeah. why you have practice, right? And, and you go on. But uh, how much of, of pass rush ability, whether it's inside or outside, is just raw athleticism? I mean, is that something that 
you know, clearly you're not going to take me and make me a pass rusher, right? So there's obviously an athletic element of it. How much of it uh, is just that raw athlete and how much better can you make a guy through practice and repetitions and experience? Yeah, I mean, look at this technique to everything. We believe in that. That's why we, we practice and preach fundamentals and Brendan, I think, does a great job with it. I once heard a coach say this, and I think there's a lot of truth to it, that pass rush, probably at any level, is like 70% want. Like, we always talk about being relentless. And if you – I did this one year. It's been a few years now, and I just go back and, you know, see sacks and pressures and why they're getting them. And as I sat, as I sat there and watched, I said, well, it's not necessarily – a real skill thing they did, but they just wanted to get there. Now, part of that is the back end's probably doing a pretty good job, so the quarterback's holding it. But yeah, you know, a long time ago when I was coaching the D-line at Lafayette College back in the late 80s or whatever it was, we used to talk about, you know, rushing the pass, it was 70% want, just purely wanting to get there. Uh, but do I think there's technique involved? Yeah. And then to, to follow up uh, the get-off, right? Like, and yeah. not to pile on on Frank, yeah. but – there's metrics out there that say he's got one of the best get offs out there, but like we've kind of talked about here, maybe it's not uh, accounting for sacks. How much of it is get off? You said 70% is one to. All right. So that 30%, yeah. that's every, that's the rest of it. How, how much of it is, is that get off? Cause he has, it's seemingly a great one, but it's right now not translating into sacks. Yeah. Well, you keep, you guys, again, you keep going back to sacks. I mean, that's not, that's not what I'm looking at. Um, I don't think that is the one and only, only indicator of how a, player is being effective in this pass rush. I, I don't believe that. So um, where we, everybody on the defense has talked about as we get down the stretch here, getting better at whatever it is we do. I got to get better at calling it and coaching it. Assistant coaches got to do the same players do covers, coverage guys, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and I agree with you that Frank does have one of the better get, get offs. Um, and I don't know where the doubles or not the doubles are. I don't know. Listen, we've played some quarterbacks. Uh, I think Derek Carr does a great job of this. We get the ball out really quick. I don't care how fast your get off is. You know, sometimes when you get it out quick, it's not going to make a difference. You know, so anyway, I'm not hung up on the sacks. I'm hung up, hung up on the the unity and how we're playing as a group, especially third down. Uh, especially third down. If we can keep playing third down like we did last week, I think that'll help us. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You just heard from the Chiefs coordinators, and now we continue on with Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. All right. Um, on the injury front, uh, um, Edwards Hilaire didn't practice today. He's, <clears throat> he's got the same thing that Breezy had with the uh, stomach deal, but um, we 
we think we're going to get him back here. I mean, I don't think that's a problem. He's feeling better today, but we held him out. So uh, Dorian or Daniel, uh, again, uh, didn't practice today, and he'll be listed as out when you get that here in a little bit. Listen, we look forward to the challenge of playing Denver. Um, we know they're a good football team, and, um, and, and they're getting – a couple of their juice guys back uh, at the quarterback position and at the defensive line spot. So we, um, you know, we've had a good week of practice and preparation and we know it's a battle. It always, it always is. So anyways, with that time's yours. Well, first to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey Andy, you've got um, two of the top three guys on in receiving yards in the league and obviously they, they go about it in, in much different ways. How do their contrasting styles sort of complement each other, though, in your offense? Well, yeah, in different different positions as they as they work too, right? So, um, you know, the, the, well, I mean, you know how different they are. I mean, I, they uh, you got speed and, <clears throat> and and quickness built into one package there, uh, and then um, you know, Kelsey's. Uh, uh, big and mobile and can do a lot of things. Really, all of them can. I'm not even sure who the guys are that you're talking about because I'm not much on the stats, but I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring I'm naming the right guys here. Uh, and then who's your third one? Tell me the third one. No, I just, I, I, what I was sort of getting at was how does maybe Kelsey style open things up for Tyreek and vice versa? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I know defenses are conscious, uh, conscious of where both of them uh, uh, line up. And last week you saw they they doubled both of them. They were both on the same side of the field. And it kind of looked odd because <clears throat> both safeties were pushed over and there wasn't really anybody on the other side. And that gives that gives other guys opportunities. And so um, if that's uh, the route you go and um, uh, but they they're, they're not working as much together as you might think, Sam, on those things. Uh, is they are just working their their routes on their side, and that's where that's where Sammy. I, I was so excited about Sammy getting back in the mix there, and D Rob's done a nice job, and and McColl is coming on here, so um, all of that all of that helps, and then they can they they can kind of once you get them all on there, then they play on the same side uh, off of one another, but uh, those two aren't always on the same side. So, <clears throat> go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Andy, I'm not sure if we got to this with Steve yesterday, but in terms of Willie Gay's progression so far, just where do you think he is entering December and where his role may be as you guys, you know, look forward to, you know, playing in the postseason? Yeah, we like what Willie's doing. I mean, he, he's getting better every week, and this is a complicated system. And, you know, so – and he had no offseason with it, and he, he's been busting his tail, and every week he gets to play a little bit more, and it's been good for him. So – um, and he's doing a great job on special teams on top of that, which is also good for angles and, uh, you know, and, and scheme, all that, all those things there. So uh, we're, we're, you know, we're excited about him and where he's going to end up isn't where he is now. I mean, he's going to keep getting better the more he does it. And that part's exciting. Great, uh, tremendous athlete for sure. <clears throat> like we've got three more. Let's go next to Seren Petro. Good, Seren. Uh, Coach, kind of on the receivers front, but you, you were talking about the different routes that they're running. And, you know, the last, I don't know, five, six years, we've had that all 22 tape that we can subscribe and get and play our armchair coaches, right? You, your offense obviously stretches the field vertically, horizontally, every which way. How how different is that from like when you first 
started like uh, the, the, the abilities of the quarterbacks and the receivers and the quarterbacks to get the ball that far down the field. And Patrick, obviously, how, how much more of the field is used today than, say, when you first got into the NFL? Yeah, so I, I think, uh, Serena, it goes back to these quarterbacks coming out or that you can kind of jumpstart them right from the from the get-go and and uh, start them earlier maybe than what you did before with more more of a dose of, of, of your what, what's going to end up being your finished your finished product as an offense. So, and then in our case, we can keep adding to it. Um, I, listen, you play, uh, and you know this, but you play to the strengths of your players, and and we're blessed to have these guys. And um, you know, uh, this defensive coordinator and head coach that we're going against this week is a uh, is a good one. So. Um, He's uh, he's done a good job against us in a, in a lot of ways. So, but that ability to to, to stretch and, and utilize our speed, um, and then the underneath ability with some of the uh, bigger players, whether it's a wide receiver um, or or Kels, you know, um, to be able to work that low post uh, is also beneficial. So, you know, we're we're blessed to have those guys, and and then to have the quarterback that can uh, find them use them and wants more uh, opportunities to use them in different ways. So uh, it's a, that's a good situation. Go next to Todd Levo. Go ahead, Todd. Hey coach, I wonder when you're, when you're coaching in one of these games, it's a rivalry game and you guys have won a lot in a row against the Broncos. Kind of, if you can put yourself in your shoes early in your career here in Kansas city against them, when they had won a few in a row, what it's like to kind of try to finally get over the hump and maybe what the Broncos are preparing for to try to, get over the hump against you since you won so many in a row or, and, and are there some unusual things that you have to kind of be prepared for on your side when you've won so many in a row against a certain opponent? Yeah. You know, we don't, we really don't talk too much about that other than uh, we respect the, uh, the ability of that football team. And, and so, um, you know, that, that's how we go about it. It's a great organization. They've been successful for a number of years. They've got a good head football coach and they've got good assistant coaches and then they've got good players and, and so, and they're, they're starting to kind of get guys back and uh, even become more healthy than what they were. So we, we understand all that. That's as far as we go. We don't talk about what happened in the past because it doesn't matter in this league. You know, you, you're, uh, you're always, you've always got to be working to take that next notch on the ladder and, uh, and, and, and fight that because the parity in this league is, is just too, there's too much of it. And so that's how we approach it. It's a it's a humble approach and work hard and try to get better at what you do and know your opponent better and let's go. Let's roll. <clears throat> we'll go last to Mick Schaefer. Go ahead, Mick. Hey, Coach, I got one off the field for you, but I guess uh, in a field. Uh, I think you've been shown this, but a Chiefs fan created a 27-acre uh, corn maze uh, of your likeness. Uh, actually, I think it was in soybeans, but uh, whatever. I, I know fans do unique things for you guys all the time. But what's your reaction to that? They, they said it's so big that you could uh, fit 22,058 cheeseburgers uh, inside the mouth of it. How about that? Uh, protein burgers, it sounds like with soybean. Um, it, it's, uh, no, that's quite a deal. Um, I, I wish he had a little bit more to work with, but he, that, that's all right. He did a great job with it and made me look good. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it. I've, um, I appreciate him, and <clears throat> I hope he's able to sell the soybeans because that, that looked like it was pretty large. You know, got a big head. So, yeah. anyways, yeah, I appreciate it. Though. Yeah, he's talented, talented. It's a lot better than what the aliens, you know, those things that they they look at. And yeah, he did a nice job with it. <clears throat> Coach, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining All us. Right. Good job. Thank you, guys.
Hey, Juan, thanks for uh, coming out and chatting with us. Obviously, you're, you're approaching a year anniversary of your, your ACL injury. And, and sometimes when you recover from an injury, there's a mental and a physical aspect to it. So two-part question here for you. Where would you say you are mentally from recovery from the torn ACL? And the second part is, are you at a point where you're able to physically perform without thinking about the knee injury? Uh, right now, I feel like I'm at a very good, a very good place. Uh, there was there was times in the year where I was actually thinking about it a little bit while I was on the field, but just with me getting more reps and me being on the field, it's just eliminated that I don't really think about it as much now. But there's there's times where like you may you may feel it a little bit, but it takes time to get away from it and get over an ACL injury. So it's not something that you could just think you're just gonna get on the field and it's just gonna go away. You're gonna always have a little bit of feeling. Like you can feel it a little, but it's not, it's not too bad. Let's go next to Harold Koontz. Go ahead, Harold. Hey, Juan. Uh, kind of following up on Herbie, what was the biggest thing for you? What was the biggest factor for you um, that kind of helped you get over that hump to get back on the field and, uh, you know, try to perform at the level you were last year? Honestly, the biggest thing is just like changing my mentality. There was times where like I was down on myself, just questioning if I would be able to like be able to be back on the field and play to my my ability. But then like when, as I got out there and started working back into it, I started feeling like, OK, I feel like I can go out here and play still. I, I still feel confident. I have that power and speed still. So now I just got to trust myself. Let's go next to Matt Derrick. Good, Matt. Hey, Juan, you know, it's following up a little bit on Herbie's question. It's also usually pretty natural for guys coming back from serious injuries to, you know, have a wall, especially because you didn't have any off season and you missed a little bit of training camp as well, waiting to get back. Um, and with Coach Reed saying that you're a bit of a situational player right now, wanting to limit your reps, is, is that, are you comfortable in that role? Is that a role that you feel like is good for you right now as far as where you are physically? You know, like I didn't have those those trainer camp reps, like you said, but the whole offseason I was here, I was working with Rick and the staff with trying to get myself back out there. So I was doing field work. I was I was out there running, uh, getting those breaks and everything to, to build my confidence just to know that I can do it. And uh, with the bye week, we had time with Coach Spags. He watched film. I watched film. And he kind of wished that we would have like took it a little slower early in the season because I we limited my reps to maybe the first game and then after that I was just out there going 100 percent pretty much and you don't you don't win the season in, in the first few weeks you you have to get better each and every week so we talk I talk with Coach Spags and I feel like we're in a really good place right now with just um, taking taking it one day at a time one game at a time and hopefully everything uh, will play out and I'll be back out there. Go next to Adam Teicher. Go down. Hey, Juan, do you feel like you're, you've consistently been the same player you were toward the end of last season yet this year? You feel like you've been that kind of player yet? Um, I've had some some bumps in a row just because of the fact that, like, it's not just something you can just get out there and be 100% right after an ACL injury. But I'm definitely getting back uh, to myself. I can feel myself running a lot faster, breaking a lot better, and becoming more confident as I'm on the field. So I'm definitely getting back to where I was. Let's go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Juan, earlier in the year, in you know, relation to your return from injury, was so much discussion about the cornerback position and guys either not being there because of health or suspension with Rashad. Um, now that you've had two weeks to, to and play with those guys in front of you, just what are you noticing about the cornerback position and just having everybody available in the secondary as a whole? 
it's good that we finally got everyone back on the field just because of the fact that we can start piecing the puzzles together and, and figure out who plays best together because we have a bunch of different packages with a bunch of different guys on the field together. So with, it, with us getting to the end of the season, this is the time where you find the the right package. So when you get to the playoffs or and, and move forward, you have the right guys on the field at the right time. So I feel really comfortable with the guys that we got out there. We had Tyron, Dan, and Sneeze stepping up and playing the nickel role, and he hasn't played it in I don't know how long, and he's fresh in there. But I feel like the guys are doing a heck of a job. Got time for a couple more. We'll go Nick, and I think Herbie had a follow-up. So go ahead, Nick. Juan, for you, what was kind of one of the bigger surprises or unexpected moments in, in your recovery that you didn't anticipate? Cool. That's a hard question. Um, like, honestly, like right now, like what I'm going through right now is just I didn't expect to have to like be a guy that's, that plays a lesser role in our defense. But it's not something that I'm like I'm super down on because like I'm definitely I'm going to keep working regardless. And when it's my time to step in there and play, I'm going to go in there and make a play. And like I said, hopefully I'll get back out there real soon. And we'll go last to Herbie. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, when you, you obviously share a locker close enough to, to Tyron, and you mentioned his name, but how, how much have you been in his ear on the best way to approach a recovery from ACL injuries? Uh, he's been here pretty much through the whole process. Like, I've, I've had a lot of questions for him, and because, like, he's been through two of them. He was The main thing he told me is just I got to be patient. There's going to be times where I'll be one step away from making a play, and it's going to be real frustrating. But you can't you can't get down on yourself. You got to keep your confidence. Know that you're a good player. And you know that you can play, and it's going to slowly come back, and you're going to start making those plays, and then you're going to be really confident. So that's why I'm not going to get down on myself because of the fact that I know I still can play, and I still have that ability to make those plays. But I'm just one step away from making the same plays that I was making last year. But I'll be back like real soon. Hey, Frank, I know that your trajectory last year, you had some injury issues at the beginning, and then it seemingly you felt better in the middle of the season and really turned it on at the end of the year, especially in the playoffs. What do you think was the difference from that like middle stretch where you started to feel comfortable and then the success you were able to have at the end there of 2019? Um, I think just blocking out the noise and blocking out the noise and just playing football. Um, I feel like that's important usually at the end of the season, though, you know, because that's that change where stuff starts happening. You got team that's declining. You got um, play that's declining or, you know, you got people, you got team that's arising to the occasion of the season. Um, you got players that's arising to the occasion of the season. Uh, so I feel like that was one of those things. Go next to Harold Kuntz. Go ahead, Harold. Frank, uh, you know, obviously your production is not where you wanted to be individually and as a defensive line, but all the work you guys put into honing your craft, how disappointing is it to you that you guys are just a little bit less of uh, where you want to be uh, going forward this season? Um, I feel like, to me, I care more about when, you know what I'm saying, we go player, player like myself, other players, a few other players in the room, uh, when you use success, it's not nothing new to you. Like I'm used to success. I'm used to winning. I'm used to um, like achieving all the numbers, the sacks, and all that stuff. So getting another sack, getting another five, ten sacks ain't nothing new to me. You know what I'm saying? I've been there. I've done that. The only thing that I haven't done is win two Super Bowls. The only thing that I haven't done is complete the season, go 15 and one. You know what I'm saying? Or you know, finish as strong as we can. Uh, yeah, of course. You know, you always want as a competitor. You know, you always want your the individual things to be better, you know, but 
you always want to play um, games better. You want to do things like that better. But, you know, only thing that I can really appreciate, you know, just being a part of the team is, you know, our willingness to win, you know, and our willingness to not be selfish. You know, I'm, we're real selfless. So, you know, you don't find a lot of guys really, you know, into the whole stat game. You know, when we, we the Kansas City Chiefs, we the, we the champs and we win it. So at the end of the day, I feel like that's more important than anything. Let's go next to Aaron Ladd. Go ahead, Aaron. Hey, man, I know you're a sports fan, and I, I'm just curious. You talk about blocking out the noise a lot. I feel like a comparison I've heard a lot this year is between this year's Chiefs team and that 72-win Warriors team. I'm curious what you think about that comparison. Uh, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you got they – go, they're going to talk they go talk about y'all good or bad, you know what I'm saying? When we was the Chiefs last year where everybody was talking about us bad, you know what I mean? Um, nobody expected us to do what we did, only we did. And that was the best thing about it. You know, just like what we can do. I know what I'm capable of. And, and we got players on our team who are capable to, to go out there at any point, you know what I mean, and have fun and play a game of their lives, play, you know, just things like that. But when you got, um, like you just said, when you can block out that noise, you know, when it's, when you can take out the individuality of the game and um, enjoy the game for being a team sport, you know, uh, I feel like that's the best part about everything. Let's go next to Sarin Petro. Go ahead, Sarin. Frank, uh, you, for getting to the quarterback, like the whole pass rush game of what you do, like how would you describe what is the most important part, right? You're a guy, there's some analytics out there that say you've got one of the best get-offs, right? So you're quick off the line, but how much of it's that? How much of it's a secondary move? How much of it's the hand fighting? You know, what what, what are the elements that go into making a successful pass rush? Um, number one is, um, I feel like number one is it starts with the get-off. Um, is beating your man to the point, is getting to a point. Um, a lot of that stuff in there is like whatever a guy's, you know, um, technique is and stuff like that, whatever he uses um, to be his best at what he does in the game. Um, other things can play a, a huge, um, you know, point is um, the, the game plan. Um, a lot has to do with game plan as well. You know what I mean? Um, you know, when you got certain things, you got stunts, or you might be dropping, or you might be doing this, that, and the third. You know, that plays a large part in your role on what you're doing on that particular down and distance. Um, what else? We can go on all day about pass rushing, man. I can talk to you about hours about it. Um, but yeah, it's just um, then it, yeah, like I said, it's being a man to the point. Um, it's violent hands, using violent hands, hand-eye coordination, um, knowing where the quarterback is going to be, knowing where his point is, where he stops, and knowing where he steps up. If it's a quarterback who steps up in the pocket, like when we playing a guy like Tom Brady, where if you allow him to step up in the pocket, he's very efficient compared to playing other guys like. You know, um, Lamar Jackson to where it's like when this guy's scrambling out the pocket to the right, you know, he's very efficient. You know, he's making guys miss left and right. If you watch it commonly through the league, um, um, compared like a Deshaun Watson, when you close in there making tackles and making plays, you know, just to complete the wrap up, to wrap him up and make that play because he's, he's a wizard at getting out, you know. So it's things like that, the little things that, um, you know, people might not necessarily, you know, watch or know about, you know, um, that takes that goes into a lot about, you know, just passers. Next to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Frank. Um, from talking to you over the past years, it's pretty clear you put a lot on yourself. So stats aside, how, how do you just feel this year's going for you? I feel like it's going high. I feel like I can always be better. But um, I got more years in this game. Um, I take every everything. Like, I take everything. I'm very competitive. So, of course, you know, I want to be at the top. I know where I'm, um, how hard I work and what I do to put into this game. But I know that I come. Um, my coaches – no, you know, they, they understand me. They know how I am. 
especially when it comes to my competitive nature. You know, I want to be the best. That's all I care about. I don't care about nothing else. I don't care about second place. I don't care about, you know, the middle in between. I want to be the best. That's all I care about. Got time for a couple more guys. We'll go Herbie and then Nate. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Frank, sort of follow up on what Seren was asking you about some of the elements. When you line up in your mind, do you know before the snap, if you're going to use a chop rip, a stab club, a double arm swipe? I mean, what do you know? What goes through your mind process when you develop the, the mentality? I'm going to I'm going to get a sack here. Um, honestly, I don't I don't I don't pre-plan a move. I got a I got a large skill set of moves. Um, it's just it's just really about timing. It's about when I can use those moves and you know at the rate you gotta be comfortable in the game. You gotta get into a rhythm. A lot of the, a lot a lot to do with the um like you said, going off um his question, it's um I didn't mention rhythm. It's rhythm. You know, you gotta get into the flow of the game, understand what your opponent is doing, um, things like that. And the faster you can get into that rhythm, like if I figure you out, it's over with. You know, every alignment in the world knows that about me. You know, every tackle knows that. Like I'm gonna figure you out. If I figure you out, it's over with for you. And um, this year, it's just, it's just, you know, you got some difficulties here and there, you know, even with last year, you know, it's just some difficulties here and there because you got to play within the game plan. I'm a team player. I'm not about to go out of the game plan and make a play. You see a lot of that stuff in football today where you got guys, you know, they want to be the show. They want to go, uh, they want that sack so bad. They chasing sacks. They doing stuff like that. And you see it affect they, they team. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's one thing that I told myself, I pride myself on being as a team player. You know, team first before Frank. I've gotten there. I got into where I am today by being a great teammate, not being a great individual player to keep it real. I've had players along my career who's helped me, you know, be the best teammate I can be. Uh, Chris Jones more recently, some of my younger guys, Mike Dana. I got uh, Tyron Matthew, you know, just my teammates. Uh, then in the past, Jaron Reed, I had Michael Bennett, Cliff April. I've had guys who legitimately helped me become, you know, the football player I am today. And, uh, you know, that didn't come off being an individual. That, that came off solely being a good teammate. We'll go last to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Frank, I got two questions for you, man. The first is, when you watch yourself on tape, what do you feel like you're doing well? And then what is there that sort of motivates you that you want to improve on? And then Brad, I'll have a follow-up. Uh, I'm doing some things well. I feel like I'm doing, uh, there's a lot of things that can always improve on. Uh, I just feel like just using hands, just being more aggressive. Uh, just uh, winning, winning, winning every rep I get. You know, you gotta, you gotta win the reps you do get, or you got those one-on-one -on -one pass rushes, or those uh, five, you know, those four-man pass rushes, stuff like that. You know, because um, you know, at times it's just, you know, throughout the game, you know, sometimes you never know how a game is gonna go, whether it's on offense, whether it's on defense. You know, you can't control the cause as a player, but at the end of the day, it's just um, doing your job to the best of your ability. And I feel like at any time I can always do that. You know, way better. You know, it's my job in general. Yeah. And, and lastly, uh, you did have a couple meetings with Tom Brady in last week's game, a couple penalties. Is part of that retribution for what the Bucks did previously with Patrick Mahomes in terms of their, you know, roughing the pass penalty? Or was there something there that you've, that you've seen on film that you need to correct? I ain't correcting nothing. I'm going to hit him again. That was my first two uh, roughing the pass penalties in my career. I owe some more. You know what I'm saying? I'm cool. We'll be all right. <laughs> I ain't go. I, ain't, I don't owe no more for this year. I told him, I told my coach. I told Coach Bags. I can't. I ain't gonna do no more this year. Probably next year, not this year. More to dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot. 
because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.